0: Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Well, here's a few more happy news stories for you. Last month on Father's Day weekend, a 39-year-old dad and his two children were driving on Staten Island, going to spend some quality time together. And as they were driving, two cars tried passing him on the shoulder to get past the slow traffic. One of the cars ended up sideswiping his car, and they pulled over to assess the damage. After a few words were exchanged, The driver that had hit him pulled out a baseball bat and after hitting and shattering the windshield and headlights, sped away. Back in June, an Asian American woman was walking to work in L.A. when a man approached her and asked for a cigarette. When she said she didn't have any, he began to call her names based on her heritage and punched her in the face, knocking her to the ground and then kicking her. On the 4th of July, at a local pond in Worcester, Massachusetts, a 17-year-old lifeguard told a group of people on the beach that there was no smoking or drinking allowed on the beach. They could either stop or leave. He was beaten and stabbed. He'll be all right. The injuries weren't life-threatening. But come on, folks. Those violent reactions are so over-the-top. There's just no need for all this aggression and violence. And aren't we really seeing over-the-top reactions to a lot of things? People seem to get so angry so easily. The frustration levels are running high and people just lose it over little things. You can't say anything opinionated on Facebook or Twitter without being instantly barraged with out-and-out mean responses. In the grocery checkout, people just start ranting at the people in line or the cashier over things like the Hershey bar box is empty. Don't try to order anything special in Starbucks or the people behind you will secretly try to trip you for making them wait. Don't ask anyone to wear a mask if they don't believe it's necessary. Flight attendants have been spit on, punched, and kicked for that very reason. What's the cause of all this aggressive behavior? Why are some people reacting so violently over things that just don't seem to deserve it? Well, maybe the underlying reason for this heightened frustration and over-the-top reaction is the pandemic. I mean... Come on, every aspect of our lives has been affected by this, by the guidelines, the safety protocols, and the opinions and beliefs of the people around us. It could be just the normal challenges of life in general, but I am the Washington Post said that the amount of anger even before the pandemic, if you remember the catchphrase, supersize me from McDonald's a few years back, I think That's kind of what the global pandemic did, just supersized our anger issues. People respond to anger and frustration in many different ways from bottling it up inside until it erupts like a volcano or leading us into a pit of depression that we can't seem to get out of. And we used to call these over-the-top reactions going postal because of the sad actions of a couple of post office workers many years ago. But now we just have endless mass shootings. And it becomes some sort of endless cycle too as we find ourselves getting frustrated and angry at all those angry people who are doing things that harm others for no good reason at all. Some things got to give. What can we do to diffuse all this anger? How can we get out of that endless cycle of anger and frustration ourselves? What does Jesus tell us is the best way to respond? So we can, as Paul says in Ephesians, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger. We can, we can, as people of faith, learn to do that in ourselves and even begin to deal with the anger of others in ways that can bring peace or at the very least diffuse a volatile situation. See, we can calm down. Jesus shows us how and gives us instructions. Now, we'll start by looking at one of the most explosive scenes in Jesus' life, the night of his arrest. Now, we know that just before this scene, Jesus had a last meal with his disciples. He already knew that one of his closest friends, Judas, had arranged to betray him and that this betrayal would lead to his death. He knew it. And yet he still sat down with him, ate with him, even washing his feet. He let Judas know that he knew what he was going to do by his words and his actions. But there was no anger, no emotional accusations. He spoke the truth in love. Maybe he hoped it might change his mind, but what made Judas do it anyway? Why was he leading the troops to arrest his friend? And the only answer I can think of is that it began and was born out of fear. Judas was afraid of what could happen. It was reported in scripture that he was stealing money from the disciples. Maybe he was afraid of what would happen when they found out. Possibly. But possibly he was afraid of being arrested himself as one of his followers. He had wanted Jesus to take over, to release them from Roman control, and maybe he was afraid of what would happen if that didn't happen. See, fear is a powerful thing. When we feel fear, it causes our bodies to react in different ways. Fear causes an increased respiratory and heart rate, sometimes sweating and nervousness, a rush of glucose in the blood, and it can switch off our logic center of our brain, causing us to react in ways that we wouldn't under normal conditions. In other words, in the midst of fear, we can make choices that may seem irrational, driven by worry and anxiety instead of, rational thinking. And I believe this kind of response to fear was a key ingredient to Judas's choice to betray him. And we can condemn Judas for acting out of fear. But in our passage this morning, Peter does the same thing. His fear, fear of what would happen to Jesus, fear of what would happen to himself and the other disciples led him to pick up a sword and cut off another man's ear. He probably meant to kill him. That was so out of character for Peter. Again, Jesus speaks the truth to Peter in love. Put your sword back in its sheath. In other words, take a deep breath and stop the violence. We see that Jesus, even knowing all that will happen, is able to remain calm and keep his rational brain engaged, trying to help those around him do the exact same thing. He understands that fear can lead to anger, and once it takes control, leads to sin, those bad decisions, those hurtful words and actions that can have a lasting impact on us and those around us. That's why Paul says so passionately not to let our anger turn into sin, not to let the sun go down on our anger, because like in Judas's case, it can make way for the devil. For evil to take hold in our hearts and then it can become deadly. So just how do we do that? How do we keep fear from turning into anger and then turning into sin? Making a way for evil in our hearts that leads to violence and destruction. How does God want us to deal with fear and anger? Our passage in Ephesians reminds us that God intends us to live together in love. Don't let the sun go down on our anger, he says, be reconciled. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus tells us that if we know someone has something against us, to go first and be reconciled and then come back to him. See, when we have a good reason to be angry or someone has a good reason to be angry at us, we are called to do what it takes to be reconciled. And from our passage last week, we should begin with self-reflection. What have I done to make them angry? Or why am I angry at them? Why am I feeling this way? Sometimes we can discover that we are really frustrated and angry over something else, and we're just letting out the steam in a different situation. I truly believe this is why we see a lot of people blowing up over insignificant issues because the underlying fear or anger they feel about something else is just erupting in the wrong place. Don't let that be you. Why are you angry? Take a look before you act or speak. Then the Lord's Prayer and the Sermon on the Mount both tell us to forgive. Forgive as we have been forgiven. Love your enemies and pray for them. See, we can't hold anger and love in our hearts at the same time. Jesus tells us to choose the better way. Try starting with compassion. See, when you see someone acting out, doing something irrational, let the first emotion you have be compassion. See them as under the control of fear, and fear is a hard master. Speak the truth in love if needed, but do it with compassion. And not anger. And if you feel anger rising, take a few deep breaths. Pray for peace in your heart and a clear head to see the best way to act. Even King David knew the need for God's help. In Psalm 51, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I don't know about you, but lately that's been a frequent prayer for me. And also know when to walk away. Jesus did. Many times he was confronted by the Pharisees and others who wanted to do him harm because they were afraid or angry. And he just walked away. And if you choose to stay, watch your words. Don't escalate the situation. James 1.26 reminds us, If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. And in 3.5, the same writer says, How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. And we've seen it. Situations explode when someone chooses to say something designed to hurt someone in response to anger. Watch what you say. As Paul says, Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. So we have be reconciled, be forgiving, pray for a compassionate heart, know when to walk away, and speak words of love and life. Any one of these responses has the potential to diffuse a tough situation and give grace to everyone involved. It's helpful to know, how God wants us to respond to the anger and fear in the world. But we also need to spend some time looking at how to prevent anger and fear from taking control of our own lives. How do we keep our own anger and fear in check so that it's not us wielding that baseball bat in a road rage incident or saying something explosive that mars a valued relationship forever, See, we all long for inner peace. I hope we do anyway. That peace that Paul calls in Philippians, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the world around us may be falling apart. We can't control how other people react. But if we can find ways to have that marvelous peace, we will have the tools to stand firm and withstand the anger and violence we might encounter. And it begins by remembering the great commandment, well, the second part of it anyway. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And most of us have heard this before, but it bears repeating. We cannot love others if we don't love ourselves. That's a hard thing for some of us to hear because it sounds like pride, all that self-love. But that is not what Jesus is saying. It's not a call to love yourself more than others, but to know that you are worthy of God's love, being able to love who you are as a child of God, a unique and special creation, a gift to the world. God cares about you. So it's only right that you care about you too. And by that I mean that we all have the God-given responsibility to take care of ourselves. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That is your spiritual worship. It's a call to care for our bodies, but it's more than that. It's knowing that our bodies are a home for the Spirit of Christ. Shouldn't we care for it as though it were a temple for God? See, when our bodies are not cared for in the way that God intended, it causes physiological imbalances, which can actually make us fearful or angry for no good reason at all. Stress alone can trigger all those responses. And aren't we living in stressful times? If someone doesn't think so, I'd like to talk to you after the service. What are we doing to relieve the effects of stress in our bodies? And we know a lot of the things to do. Eating healthy foods to keep our bodies free from all those things that make us feel tired and sluggish. Taking walks outside and connecting with nature. Or just exercising in general, which makes endorphins that make us feel happier. Connecting with friends and family. Nurturing healthy relationships that will build us up and not tear us down distracting ourselves by taking up a hobby like reading or gardening or finding a way to serve others through a ministry or mission of the church. Take a look around and see how many things we have to be grateful for. You know, count your blessings. Seeing the goodness of God all around us will change our attitude when anger or fear threatens to take over. And if that's not enough, take action. If we see an injustice or something wrong, find a positive way to make it right. Write a letter to a senator. Form a community action group to make a change, like that group in Del Mar that is painting blue lines for our police officers to remind them they are important and valued. Paint rocks with happy sayings and place them around your community. There's always something we can do to make a small, happy difference. And if you take that long look inside and you find that there's something really bugging you, something that won't go away, talk to someone. Maybe talk to me or another pastor. And don't be afraid to talk to a mental health professional. Sometimes we all need someone to listen who can help us. Even I talk to a Christian counselor on a regular basis to keep myself in check. But none of this will help in the long run if we don't nurture our relationship with our Creator and Savior. Pray without ceasing. See, when Jesus was facing his death, he went to pray. We all need that strength. Always be in an attitude of talking to that Holy Spirit that's living right within you. Ask for guidance, ask for peace. Maybe find a new spiritual discipline to practice, something that can connect you to God in a new and meaningful way. Don't skip being in worship each week. It's easy to get off track if your spirit isn't being fed by the word of God. In our baptism, we call on the Holy Spirit to work within us, that having been born of water in the Spirit, we may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. If we want peace instead of all that anger and fear, then that Spirit needs to be working within us. We can't face that on our own. Jesus tells us to put down the sword. He remained calm in a hostile situation, and we can too. Paul tells us to be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us. So take care of yourself with the same love, the love of Christ for you, and then love your neighbors. Then maybe, just maybe, we'll all calm down and we will all be at peace in the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, there is so much going on in the world around us and so much that can spark anger and fear and over-the-top reactions, Lord, and we just ask for your peace to come to us all. Help us to know you better, to love ourselves and care for ourselves better so that we can care for those in the world around us better. Lord, help us to be imitators of Jesus, who at the most explosive moment in his life remained calm and helped others become calm. Lord, we look to you. Change our hearts, create in us a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within each and every one of us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.